Philip Mitchell recommitted his life to Christ in the stockroom of Umbro. You can recommit your life to Christ absolutely anywhere. First time I prayed with somebody in the stockroom of Umbro. But if you need to recommit your life to Christ, please do. I want to share something with you this evening. I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 1. And if you... uh, If you want to turn to that passage, let me read Joshua chapter 1, a very familiar passage. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. And do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back, occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words 
Whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I read that passage very specifically for this reason. It appears to be one of the most amazing promises in the Word of God. Joshua is about to take on the leadership of Israel so that they can fulfill the destiny that God has for them to go in and possess a land that He's promised them. And this is what God says. Everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread. I'm giving it to you. And then it gets better. He says, all the days of your life, there will be no enemy who is able to stand up against you. So everywhere you stand, I'm giving it to you. And every enemy that opposes you will fail completely. None of them will ever be able to stop you. That's fairly good, isn't it? Then it gets better. He says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Clear promise that you'll possess the land. An absolute promise that no enemy will ever be able to successfully stop you. And then this total guarantee You'll always have my presence with you. And here's what I want to tell you tonight. That is not enough. It is not enough to have the promise of God. It is not enough to have a guarantee that your enemies will never be able to stop you. It is not enough to have the presence of God. I know that's a shock for many of you. But what I'm going to say to you, honestly, it's the Bible. You see, Moses had already failed at the greatest moment of Israel's history on the border of Kadesh Barnea. All they had to do was go in and possess the land. They'd sent the 12 spies in. 40 years before, they had stood there. They had listened, the whole nation, to a report of the land that God had promised to give them. He'd promised it to them. He'd promised their enemies wouldn't triumph over them then. And he had promised his presence would be with them. Do you remember those of you who are familiar with the scriptures in XXX? I was trying to say Exodus 33, but I don't know why that came out like that. Exodus 33. 
before they leave Sinai to head to Kadesh, Moses gets before God. He says, you've told us it's time to leave and to go the land you've promised, but you haven't told us who's going with us. And God says, I'm going to send an angel with you. And Moses says, that's not good enough. He says, unless your presence goes with us, do not send us up from here. He says, if you do not go with us, what else will distinguish us from any other people on the face of the earth? If you don't come with us, don't send us. And God said to Moses in Exodus 33, I will go with you and my presence will always be with you. Listen to the promise we've just read together. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Moses had the promises and he had the presence. And he failed to fulfill the purpose of God. They didn't enter the land They died in the desert, walking round in circles. What I want to say to you tonight is vitally important. It's a challenge. It's not easy to hear. But if you don't have strength and courage, you will never fulfill the purpose of God. Because what God says to Joshua is, I'm doing my part. I'm promising you everywhere your foot stands, I'll give it to you. I'm promising you'll never face an enemy who's able to stand against you. I am promising I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But he says you need to be strong and courageous. You need to be strong and very courageous. So that Joshua doesn't miss the point, he says it again. You need to be strong and courageous. And then to underline it, having said it three times, he says, do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. And in essence, Joshua goes to the leaders of the people and he says, this is what God says everywhere the soles of our foot tread. He's going to give it to us. And no enemy's ever going to be able to stand against us all the days of our life. And God will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And they said, that's great. Whatever he says to you, we'll do it. But you, be strong and courageous. We need to be very careful. Because there's a whole movement going on in the church at large at the moment that thinks the presence of God is some sort of jewel you run after to try to capture. They think the presence of God is everything. And it seems, and I'm sorry to say it like this, but I'm trying to make a point. It seems the church is almost schizophrenic. We've sung tonight on several occasions about the presence of God that has never let us go, that never leaves us. As I understand what this new birth means, for those of you born again of the Spirit of God, Christ is in me. 
He's the hope of glory. He's not going anywhere. I'm a carrier of his presence. I'm not pursuing the presence of God. I have his presence with me. That's what this new birth is so glorious. Why it's so gloriously wonderful. What makes it so fantastic? I don't have to go somewhere to find God. I'm not running after him and I'm not chasing him. He's with me. He's always with me. But I'm going to tell you, there's an industry out there at the moment in the church urging people desperately to pursue his presence. Have we got it or not? You see, it seems to me that the way the New Testament writers talk about it is not that we should be running after something, but that we might have our eyes open to realize where we stand. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know the riches of his inheritance in the saints, the hope of his calling and his incomparably great power that is at work in you. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand far above every principality and power. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Paul wanted the church to know about the power of the presence of God in them. The repeated promise of the New Testament is that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. There isn't a question. You don't have to find him. You don't have to chase after him. You have his presence. The question is whether or not you've got the strength and the courage to use it. And you see, we're not so comfortable with that. And I said to you this morning, I have a word that's going to separate those who do from those who have great intentions but never do. And it's this, it's strength and courage. You see, fundamentally from the beginning, the whole business of relationship with God has been about those who had the courage to do. So when God has a plan to save the world in the midst of destruction, he comes to a man called Noah. And he says, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to destroy every living creature from off the face of the earth. But I want to save and start again. And I need you to build me a very, very large boat, an ark. The question isn't whether or not Noah has the presence of God. The question is whether or not he's got the courage to go and build the boat. The question is whether or not in the face of mocking and ridicule and intimidation from the people all around him, day after day, rain, what rain? What is rain? Flood, what are you talking about? Has he got the strength to continue to keep going day after day after day? So when Noah and his family are saved through the flood because of his strength and his courage to do what God has said, God goes to find a man called Abraham. 
And he says to him, I want to leave your family, your father's household, and I want you to go to the place where I'm going to show you. The question isn't whether or not Abraham has the presence of God or a promise from God. He's got a clear promise. He's got the presence of God. The question is, has he got the courage to do what God has said, to leave everything that he knows, everything that's familiar, and go to a place he doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know what the end will be. You see, one thing's absolutely true for Philip Mitchell at this stage of his life. What matters to him more than anything else is to obey God. He's not interested in knowing all the answers anymore. He doesn't have to have it all mapped out. But whatever God says, he is going to do. Because he's lived with the downside of being in a place where he wasn't fully obedient. And he knows the misery of that. And the sense of emptiness and the lack of fulfillment. He doesn't have to know all the answers today, but he's going to go. He's going to do whatever God says. And the truth is, the challenge is the same for every one of us. Are you going to do whatever he says? Will you be strong and courageous when he speaks to you? Are you going to have the courage to do what he asks you to do? You see, we celebrate again and again in the scriptures those incredible stories. Sorry, he says falling over himself. We celebrate those incredible stories of people who seem to have stood for God. But all of them had to have courage. See, the fact of the matter is, Joshua has this promise that everywhere he stands, he's got a promise that no enemy will be able to stand up against him. But has he got the courage when God says, I want you to lead the people out and start walking around the most fortified city they've ever seen, Jericho? Just walk around it in silence. That sounds stupid, doesn't it? Doesn't seem to be a good way to take a fortified city. Nobody say anything. We'll just have a walk around it. And then again tomorrow, we'll walk around it again. And then the following day, we're going to walk around it again. On the final day, we're going to walk around it seven times. Have you got the courage to do that? You see, all of the scripture is about whether or not men and women have the courage to obey what God has said. I'm going to tell you, there's an enemy of your soul who wants to make a mockery of the church and is having us all run after the presence when we've got it. And God's saying, is there anybody here who has got the courage And the strength to do what I've asked them to do. Because you've got all of the power you need. Apparently the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. Look at that. Martin Winters has the same power living in him that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the majesty on high and is making every enemy a footstool for the feet of God. That same power's in this man. What can he not do when he obeys God? 
That same power is in Adam McKay. The possibilities of that are utterly incredible. So the challenge to Joshua, to others, as you read through, the challenge for Elijah, go and tell Ahab, I want to meet him at the top of Mount Carmel. Well, Elijah says, do you want to get me killed, God? This doesn't seem like a great plan. He's been hunting me for the last three and a half years. The reason that we celebrate a God who answers by fire, the reason that we celebrate the utter humiliation of Baal and Ashtaroth and the other gods that the people had given themselves to, is that Elijah had the strength and the courage to go up the mountain in obedience to God. We celebrate Daniel in a den of lions, shutting the mouths of the lions because he had the strength and the courage to keep praying. When an edict went out, everybody needs to stop praying. And yet morning, noon, and night, Daniel stood in his window and prayed. It was his courage that took him there. And what the church needs more than anything else in this generation is not more power. It's not a word of direction. We know what God wants us to do. He's made it clear in His Word. He's not experimenting with what He's doing. He said, I'm giving you a commission. This is what it looks like. And I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the very end of the age. But have I got the courage to go? Have I got the courage to obey? And here's the truth. The only time you need courage is when you're afraid. Nobody ever needs courage when they're not afraid. What is it that you're going to do for God that might make you afraid? Some people don't imagine that God would ever ask them to step out of their comfort zone. Why would God ask me to do something that was uncomfortable for me? Apparently, he expects you to have to be courageous because you're going to have to face fear. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. In Acts 4 and verse 13, Peter and John have gone up to the temple. They've healed a crippled man. There's been quite a commotion. A lot of people's attention has been attracted. Peter and John have been put in prison. They're taken out of prison and they're brought before the ruling council and they're being examined. And they spoke boldly about their faith in Jesus Christ. In Acts 4.13, it says, When the elders saw their courage, they took note that these were ordinary, uneducated men. 
but they had been with Jesus. What was it that testified to the fact they'd been with Jesus? Apparently it was the courage. When they saw their courage, they took note that they were ordinary, uneducated men, and they had been with Jesus. There's something that testifies to the world we've been with him. It's courage. I don't know if you ever thought about this. But you know in the lists that sometimes appear in Scripture about those who won't enter the kingdom? You read of various sinners who are excluded from the kingdom. But in most of those lists, number two is the cowardly. Or as they say here, cowardly. Isn't that amazing? The, co- the cowardly. Because you need to be strong and courageous. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, it says, Stand firm. Be men of courage. Be strong. God can't do that bit for you. So he says to Joshua, Joshua, I'm promising you everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. There won't be any enemy that's able to stand up against you all of the days of your life. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But you, you have to do your part. You have to be strong and courageous. You have to be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. There's times when we feel weak. There's times when we're very aware of our own weaknesses. And in those times when we're aware of our own weaknesses, you need to be strong. In the Lord. His power's at work in you. It won't depend on you, but you need to have the courage to go. You need to have the courage to stand. You need to have the courage to obey His word. Be strong.
You see, the danger is the church spends time asking God to do what God asked us to do. And Peter writes about the days of Noah. And he talks about how God waited patiently in the days of Noah while Noah built the ark. God's got a plan. God has a way. But once he has committed that plan to a man, now all he can do is wait for the man. God waited patiently in the days of Noah. No point in Noah praying, God, can you build this boat for me? Can you send me teams of helpers? I've asked you to do it, Noah. Now I'm waiting because I can't move on with a plan of redemption until you do what I've asked you to do. Joshua, you're standing again at the edge of Israel's destiny. It's in front of you. You're going to need to go in and possess a land. But in order to do it, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. So they go to fight against Ai. The second battle that they face. They get utterly defeated by a few people at Ai. Hang on, God said, no enemy will be able to stand up against us all the days of our life. What do they do? They all got on their faces before God. You can read it, it's all there in the scripture. They got on their faces, they begin to pray. You know what God says? Joshua, what are you doing down there on your face? Get up and go and sort it out. The sin in the camp. I'm not going to deal with it. You deal with it. Be strong and courageous. We have the promises of God tonight. You have all of the promises of God. In Christ, they are yes and amen. They are absolutely confirmed to you. You're not short on promises. You have an absolute commitment of God. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. And I've sung it with you tonight. I've sung with you over and over again. He'll never let me go. He's never let me down. He's never failed me. He will never leave me. He will never leave my side. So I don't need to go and find him. Is that okay? What I do need is to be strong and courageous. If you're going to fill God, fulfill God's destiny for your life, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. You see, sometimes God asks you to leave what's familiar, to leave your family, to leave the places you know, and go out to a place he has yet to show you, and you don't know it all. One of the things I admire about this man is that early this year I met him. 
And he'd heard God ask him to leave something he loved, to set it down. And he didn't know where he was going. And he didn't know what the future was going to hold. And people with great intention were giving him advice. Well, don't set something down when you don't know what you're going to. But he had the courage and the strength to obey God. People who have the courage and the strength to obey God make it possible for God to do the miraculous through them. So Sammy is leaving on Wednesday. Is he thrilled? No. Didn't want to do it. Is that okay for me to say that, Sammy? We had a conversation. He wasn't going. But he wants his life to count for God. He loves God and he wants to make it matter. So he's going to get the strength and the courage to do what he needs to do. Continue to pray for him. And some of you, God is speaking to about your lives. You think that's a bit uncomfortable. That's a big old challenge. Yes, of course it is. And if you're going to fulfill it, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. And all the praying in the world won't make it happen. What will make it happen is that you get up and do it. It's that you obey his voice. There are lots of people who name the name of God and they desperately want God to do something great. But it's not happening. They pray and they cry out But you actually have to have the strength and the courage to do what he's asked you to do. And for every one of us, that's a challenge. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every man, woman, young person, boy and girl in this room this evening. Lord, we believe you have great purpose for our lives. You have prepared good works in advance for us to do. Lord, I ask that you would give every one of us this week the courage and the strength to do what you've called us to do. I pray that when the enemy tries to intimidate us, when friends try to dissuade us, we will not listen to any other voice but yours. And we will do what you have asked us to do. That we will take you at your word.
that we will expect that your presence will empower us and that you will go with us. But God, help us to confront our fears and in the face of those fears to do everything you've called us to do. Amen.